Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts. She was, they've got a bag there and they're pulling some jar out of the thing. Sunshine has got a jar. Chavo Guerrero, the missing link going by. Dark Journey just nails Sunshine. And now, Dark Journey, I mean, she has level Sunshine. Dark Journey, very emotional to start with. And rightfully so, but now I think she has the jar of whatever it is. And now it's Dark Journey and Sunshine one-on-one -on -one in the ring. Michael Hayes is being battered by the missing link. Chavo Guerrero's out with Buddy Jack Roberts. Here comes Hot Stuff and Sting getting ready for the title match, along with Missy Hyatt. And Missy Hyatt just nailed Dark Journey. Missy Hyatt nailed Dark Journey, and now she's got the jar. Hyatt, Missy Hyatt's got the jar. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Woo! Look at this. on there reflection ice big veto ice how I many nights you know i'm usually when i do this i'm very jovial i'm very you know effervescent and i'm all this stuff but you know what when we record these shows sometimes we record earlier in the week and then these are dropped on the weekends via the pwsl networks at podbean.com via the how mean me is group at podbean uh, at podbean.com and of course the big veto brand at wixsite.com and all that stuff so before anything when we recorded last week, we did a tribute show. But then, once we dropped the, the tribute show for Don West, rest in peace, another wrestler passed away. And of course, we have to acknowledge it. And of course, you know, th this death hurts even more. So, you know, for anything, I just want to say rest in peace to Jay Briscoe of the Vaunted Briscoe Brothers. It is a tragedy. You know, we, we don't have to get into the logistics, TW, so I just want to say rest in peace, Jay Briscoe, at the tender age of 38. This guy looked older than me, and I'm 45, and right. you're 47. So, you know, this guy... 49. 49. Well, well I, I, I gave you at least the credence of two years younger, so either way. But, again, I just want to say rest in peace to Jay Briscoe. You know, he's a, he's the effervescence, if you will, reflectionites 
of the 2000 wrestler. And what I mean by that is the millennial wrestler, the man who broke into the business like 2002, 2003, at the tender age, TW, get this, of 18 years old. This is like old school. He is so old school, it reminds me of Terry Gordy breaking into the business when he was like 15 years old. Or like Bobby Eaton when he was breaking into the business like 15 or 16. We do like, uh, you know, fake ID cards saying you're older, but you know how the wrestling business is. But having 20 years under your belt and this man multiple time Ring of Honor tag team champion, former Ring of Honor heavyweight champion, multiple time IWGP tag team champion, Impact Wrestling tag team champion, House of Glory tag team champion. They could have went to the WWE, but you know what? They probably, you know, John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon, this is one of those times and I'm glad that they didn't see what we saw, that the wrestling fans saw, the character, which is not a character. They were real ass, tough dude, chicken farmers. That's what they were. That's what they presented to us. They were just real, realist as realist can be. And just the way they died, we don't have to talk about the, like I said, TW, the logistics. I just want to say rest in peace to Che Briscoe. As, as like the song says, reach for the sky, boy. And TW's want to say anything, you know, go ahead. You know, the, the, when I, you know, I, I don't want to say negative things, so I'm not going to say what I was been thinking. But, you know, when you first heard one of them died, I'll be honest, I didn't think it was going to be the way he died. And, and that's, you know whatever you know that's a wrestling thing uh but to hear how he died and who was with him like just absolutely heart-wrenching and and i will say this i i see it both ways you know when when the nxt made the live announcement i mean it was a perfect storm for the worst case scenario for aew because a the wwe acknowledged a death of someone that did not work there um mm-hmm. live and b uh they didn't. And, well, they did, but they didn't do. Everyone tuned in Wednesday to to see something, and including myself. And all I saw was what's his name coming to the ring, uh, Scorpio Sky or whatever, or Big Cass and that other dude that I don't know his name. Well, uh, certain wrestlers who knew Jay Briscoe wore the armbands that said Jay right, Briscoe. No, like yeah, and, Kev- and Kevin Owens did as well on Friday. But, but mm-hmm. anyways, this, this is all I'll say about AEW. Obviously. They had discussions with Warner about these guys because they couldn't put them on their TV at all. But this is a situation where I 100% believe in the it's better, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. I would have just done it. I wouldn't have asked. I wouldn't have brought mm-hmm. it up. It was the next day. I would have just did it. And mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, Tony Khan did what he probably thought he was supposed to do. And that was let, you know, talk to them about it. So I hope the heat's died down for him on that because, for one, he's the one that told everybody. He's the one that broke it to the internet. And for two, I'm sure that dude, you've seen him hug people. I'm sure that guy took it pretty hard, right? So mm-hmm. I, I hate when people beat up people on the internet like that. So I, I just think, in my personal opinion, he should have just did it and asked for permission later. But but he did what he thought he had to do. It's a business uh, at the end of the day. I thought it was refreshing that that WWE did what they did, uh, even though it was NXT. Um, and so one thing I do want to say is I read this morning and I sent the, the, the link to Travis and Matt in North Dakota, his, his, both of his daughters, oh man, I'm not fucking cry. <clears throat> the one was thought to be paralyzed and she regained feeling in her legs and, and mm-hmm. she regained movement. She's got a long way to go. Uh, the other one's in a back brace 
you know, your, your heart just breaks for him, man. And, and at first the rumor was the wife died with him. Uh, and then you find out the wife's not there. So she's getting a call. She just knows two people died. She's probably sitting there in her head thinking which kid lived, which kid died, you know, not knowing if he was gone, if both kids were gone, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. just such a nightmare, man. And, and I, and I, I love that someone started a, a fund for them. Cause even if they do make money off this car accident, which they probably will, you don't see that money for years. So for, for people to donate money and help them out now, cause that's when they need it. Uh, and his man, I'm glad both his daughters live, man. And, 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 and I'm glad that it looks like they're both, you know, whether it be a long road or not, are going to make a recovery. And, and that just, the what, whole thing what is, just what is that old saying TW, especially for you and pastor Travis, the power of prayer. Yes, so let's absolutely. just keep with the power of prayer going for the daughters. Yeah, absolutely, for, man. And I, I just want to say this about the Briscoes. I have never seen them wrestle one match. But in 2023, for me to know them and be able to pick them out in a in a police lineup or walking in a mall, I'd be like, hey, that's the Briscoe brothers. That's a testament to these guys because I've also seen very, very little Ring of Honor in general. Um I think I did see them attack somebody on Impact during the COVID stuff when there was no audience and stuff. Um, but no, actually, they, actually, they came about two, 2022, not 2020. Okay, whatever. Well, they, they got such a small audience. It might have mm -hmm. just felt like it was empty. But um, yeah. but I had just listened to uh, Dax Harwood's podcast about their trilogy, and I was actually just getting ready to try to ask you how to watch those three matches and uh, just give them a shot because – they just screamed ECW to me, like whatever, whatever it was about them, just screamed ECW. And again, this is me just speculating because I didn't, mm -hmm. I never saw them wrestle. But it, it says something about those guys that they never ever were not only WWE, but they weren't an impact when Impact could have had them, you know, or AEW. But everybody knows who they are, you know what I yeah. mean? That's that's pretty remarkable. And, and I read today that their dad's name is Mark Briscoe. So he's not, he, they're not Jerry or Jack Briscoe's kids. No, are but they, they are, they are, no, they are brothers, but they're not related to Jerry or Jack Briscoe. I thought they were Jack Briscoe's kids this entire time. So when I read and Mark was their dad, which would be Mark Pugh, not Mark Briscoe. Um, I was and that's, and that's why they would have, that's why they would have failed in WWE because probably John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon would have probably tried to do the Briscoe connection there, change right. their, the spelling of their names. Out, so that's half the reason why I wondered why they never were there. Like if that's their dad or their uncle, how the hell are they never there? Because I think Jack Briscoe used to be an agent for them before Jerry was. Yeah, but again, the logistics is the logistics. Of, uh, they, the best choice was not was to get rejected by John Laurinaitis. I'll say that for their character and, and their prestige and their legacy. Yeah, they could have made it to the big time reflectionites. But again, we just want to say rest in peace. Rest in power to Jay Briscoe. You know, untimely, 38 years old TW. So, you know, it's just a very tragic. And again, the power of prayer for his daughters, for his family, and for Mark Briscoe. Because, again, there's an old saying, a piece of him died when Jay Briscoe died, when you have that blood bond together. So, with that being said, I'm going to make sure for the Reflectionites, for the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, the 99, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, I'm going to get a Ring of Honor episode with the Briscoes there. So this way, at least TW sees what I saw, sees what a lot of people know, you know, say about the Briscoe brothers. They were better than the Young Bucks. I'll tell you that, TW, hands down. So I'm going to give you one of those matches 
for you know the Briscoes during the the heydays of Ring of Honor. But if for the FTR thing, just just Google FTR versus FTR versus Briscoes, you'll see one of those full full matches, and it's worth it. Like I yeah. said, for that. Let's do the show for Jay Briscoe. Rest in heaven for him. This is episode 164. We going episodic. And this is a TW pick. This, and, you know, there is a Mandela effect reflection. You know, because TW says, I don't pick stuff for him. I don't pick UWF. I went back to the catalog, TW. Again, we done plethora of Mid-South. We done some Bill Watts stuff. We done some UWF Mid-South's not UWF. I keep yes, telling is. you, Mid-South is not UWF. Just because it didn't say the name, it's still Bill Watts territory. We did that. I will say this. Mm-hmm. We did do a UWF because of someone that appears in this episode was in also in that episode, and they were pushing him, which was Steve Cox. Yes, we did it. We did a Steve Cox episode. You could say that. We did a UWF. Because you during, thought it was going to be a different. You thought it was going to be something else because you heard the word cock. So you thought it was something else. That's why you picked H- it. Hell to the nah. Hell to the nah. But anyway, <laughs> before anything, let's just see the logistics here. This is a UWF episode from March. But before we get started, what how can I forget? What's forget Jim, what? What, what is Big Ray's favorite thing in the whole world? Well, you do a lot of unboxing, but you haven't unboxed in a whole year. Oh, damn, you got a pro wrestling crate. And well, it came before in the mail we do today. episodics. It came in the mail today, and guess what? Remember how we went round and round about whether I should just do it for a year, do it month to month, do it for six months? By doing it for a year, I end up getting one box free. I got an email the other day. You know what that email said? This box is free. They're discontinued. No, 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 no. Cost-wise. Oh. I already paid it. Mm-hmm. So they did. They discontinued the one year and six month subscriptions. They're all month to month now. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, if since I already paid, I'll get it for the year. But once that's up, but they said they're probably in February of 2024 going to revisit it. But for the next year, they're not doing it. So that means in the future, because uh, when I open this box up, there's going to be a hint at what next month's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then I could just say, I don't want that box. Whereas I did it this way to get it cheaper. So are you ready for I unboxing? Am, I am ready. And TN Coupon is ready. Donna Destruction is ready. Big Ray is ready. Philip Scott Wood is ready. Travis, is Travis? to us on the way to church. I'm not I'm gonna show you the card, but I'm not gonna not gonna look at it yet. All right. First thing out the rip is a shirt. Mm-hmm. And it's Only a guy. This dude's, he's from here. Okay. Speaking of Ring of Honor. Danhausen. Danhausen t shirt. He is evil. Oh my god. That is that could... a is that a t shirt or a sweater? It looks t shirt. Okay. And I, I don't like I don't a... like the design. It looks ugly. It, re- it really I couldn't have ugly. got a worse second shirt. Oh boy. John Moxley. Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody. But you don't like Bruiser Brody? Uh-oh. This girl's popular, and I don't understand why, but I'll drink out of this koozie for sure. Jamie Hayter, yeah. Jamie Hayter. Well, you know, you, you know why she's popular? Because of the backside. Look at the backside oh. more. Oh, boy. This is just a bust of a box for me. A Braun Strowman pin. <laughs> it's Adam Schurrer. Adam Schur. Well, I got a comic book. And it looks like Jay White is the uh, 
the contributor to this one to go with my Adam Cole and that Medusa. Uh, well, for, for the for the audio listeners, for Henry the Hardwick beams. in the Heart Hurt Factory. Wait, wait, before, and this before, might be your wait a minute, shit wait, right wait, here. Wait, wait a minute, before anything, I just want to say this to the audio listeners, the the video ones, they they can see the facial expressions. But I just want to say the facial expressions for TW for the audio listeners, Reflectionites has not been good. <laughs> you know, it's been a thumbs down, but he was a little bit happy about something here. So hopefully, this picks it up a little bit. This is besides the three Johnny Gargano ones I bought separately. This might okay. be my favorite. He's even doing a thing. My mm. favorite micro brawler, and I know it's going to be yours. It's a little bit faded. I can't see. Oh, damn. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, nice. The franchise. Shane Douglas. Even though it, does, it doesn't even really look like him. And that tattoo is very bad, but you know, either here or there. Uh, you know, hey, I'm the tattoo too. is what made. Now let's see if I got one or two photos this week. Sometimes there's bonus two. <laughs> this is the most disappointing crate box unboxing ever. Oh, Chris Hero. Yeah. On a piece of cardboard. He, he Wait, is it Chris photo. Hero or Cassius Uno? What did they say? Oh, it's Chris Hero. Oh, okay. You're just making sure because that's the NXT. That guy just. Had. Fell right off, didn't he? Eh? Thought I'll leave W. I'll leave NXT. Uh, well, he has a good mind. He has a good. He has a good mind for the business, but then he got fat. He's portly. Oh, he's fat's an understatement. So yeah, he's 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 always pregnant. He's always nine months pregnant. <laughs> I can already see next month's box. Oh, oh no, no. I think you're gonna like next month's box. Well, yeah. Why? Eddie Guerrero. Nice. Viva Mercedes Monet. Oh, cool. The JAS. I don't Well, it depends who. Coco Beware. Yeah, nice. Pile Driver. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I hope nice. that's the shirt. And your favorite, I saved her last. Another ECW stalwart. Mm -hmm. Formerly Man of War. Portuguese man of war. Just incredible. Just incredible. That's, that's a that's a better listing than than I guess this month for TW. The the first unboxing reflection ice for TW in 2020 press was an abysmal dog shit. So you know, hopefully next month I'm already excited for next month more than this month. So you know, this month was a flat meh in my humble opinion. So I guess you agree with that, TW? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm gonna use the Jamie Hater Haterade sleeve. I'm gonna take that on my cruise. I, I'm just saying, you got hose on the Danhausen shirt. That's an ugly shirt. There's there's better yeah, Danhausen shirt. That uh, that chance that shirt has a hundred percent better opportunity of me wearing it than a Bruiser Brody shirt. Yeah, so Bruiser we, Brody did my boy Lex wrong. Well, he deserved it. You know, Lex he did it. It, <laughs> it was <laughs> green. <laughs> Well, you know, Bruiser Brody don't play that, but wait again. Well, you know what? That's a future PWR episode. We'll do the Bruiser Brody Lex Luger conundrum, maybe. You see, you're giving me ideas always off the top of the dome. But anyway, this is your show. This is your pick. The you know, technically, supposedly, this is your first ever pick. No, it's not. You've always given me suggestions and I've always followed through, but neither here nor there. No, first you ever UWF. Okay. Anyway, UWF. March 14th, 1987, and, I, and TW, 
this one I want to talk about in a different scale because, again, this is episodic and there's a lot of things going on here. But let's start with the kind of let's put a little dabble of the what if scenario here and follow me here with this. What if Universal Wrestling Federation, in your humble opinion, took the number two slot? I wouldn't say the number one slot because you, you follow me where I'm going. Number two slot overtaking Crockett, overtaking the NWA, because when you look at UWF, it's Mid-South, UWF, and Bill Watts, every UWF show that I saw, it was a lot of emotion, it was energetic, the fans were going crazy, you had the combination of like Memphis-style blood feuds with a little pizzazz and jazz to me, and Bill Watts knew how to kind of like mixture both of them in. So he had a different niche in the Southern wrestling kind of storylines, if you will. I, again, I'm not discounting NWA and not discounting Dusty Rhodes. He was actually, he took, he did long-term storytelling. And of course, that's the Southern style. But to me, UWF and Bill Watts had a mixture of, of like I said, little pizzazz, little sizzle. Some with entertainment their, with yeah, the so What say you about the what-if scenario? What if they took over that number two slot? And try to keep up with Vince McMahon. Again, we know the people like Coco Beware, Jake the Snake, uh, Ted DiBiase, Hat Sergeant Duggan. They left. They Don't left Bill Watts to go to, the, to New York. They went to Connecticut. I got that part. But, you know, we're doing the what if. What if they overtook NWA to keep up with the Joneses of Vince McMahon? Could they have done it, in your humble opinion? Uh, what I liked about UWF is, A, it felt real. Uh, it felt like sport. Uh, B, um the the bad guys were bad guys the good guys were good guys see there wasn't too much like glam like a rick flair robe or whatever i mean buddy landell come out there with his robe you know what i mean like mm -hmm. like everyone seemed more like athletes if for better better lack of a better term or monsters like one man gang and big bubba rogers uh and and i think they let everybody do what they did best right i was a big fan of savannah jack but I could not tell you that that dude had an accent if he talked regular or if he sounded Southern. You know what I mean? Like accent like from Jamaica or something. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. He wasn't Kofi Kingston. Like, no, he, he wasn't Kofi Kingston. But, he might but, have did the jive talking, but he wasn't Kofi Kingston. Right, but they, the those guys, the guys that couldn't talk just didn't. They did mm -hmm. their talking in the ring, right? Um, Terry Taylor and Chris Adams, I completely forgot they were tag team champions first. And then I think it was... I want Adams turned on Terry to join Hot Stuff, I think, and they they feuded no, over the TV title. It was, it was Terry. It was Terry. The other way around. Mm -hmm. I remember Chris Adams being a bad guy though for some reason for a minute. That well, would be that's world class history. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. So Terry turned on him. They feuded over the TV title. Um, I think Adams took it from Savannah Jack. And a super kick, like their feud was about the super kick, and then Terry got it from Adams with help. Well, don't give it a whole one. No, this isn't the episode. This saying. episode, they're tag champs. This is yes. the beginning when they first got there. That's the other thing I liked about it was Terry Taylor in his in his promo said, "We came to this area." I, I liked that stuff. Like, hey, you know us from somewhere else, but we came here because this is where the competition is. It's funny you say that. I actually hate that, that he said this area, because you know why? Because it makes it sound regional. Yes, because of yeah. the name of the organization is Universal Wrestling Federation. You don't say but, the but area. That's, that's 40s year old professor talking. 
to me as a kid, I just think that meant that those three letters. You know what I mean? Like I get you. I'm, but again, we have to be real with this because again, yeah, in hindsight, you, you shouldn't WWF, make it sound regional if you change your name. You talk about <laughs> remember the '80s, WWF, and even NWA, and even AWA. They never called themselves an area. They right. call themselves the major leagues, Universal or World. Right. Yeah. So you know when you when you say area, then you're not big. That's the problem. But, that, I but have that's with that. that's that's an old timer talking old timers. All it was yeah. is what I'm so saying. So, but you have but to I, acknowledge I liked, the, the full I, I I took it as a tip to the hat of hey, you know who we are, but you don't. You've never seen us here, and that's mm-hmm. what I liked. Like we've done all we can do here. We've done all we can do there. Now we're here to to kick ass and take titles, and I appreciated it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, in hindsight, you know. Yeah, it's not very good to call it an area, especially if he should have he just said territory, it would have been even worse because mm-hmm. territory to me is more of a lingo. That's that's behind the fourth wall talk, whereas area is. Yeah, they have a like you just said earlier, I, I grew up calling it New York, but you called it Connecticut. But Atlanta, New York, that's what they were called when you're in the business and someone mm-hmm. said they got a call. The next question would be Atlanta or New York, and they'd be like, uh, Mid South, you know, whatever <laughs> they say, whatever. But it, at the end of the day, I do agree with your sentiment that, yeah, they shouldn't have did it. But as, okay, as yes. someone who appreciates why he said what he said, he was introducing himself there, but letting people know just because you don't know who we are doesn't mean we're not good. And here's the belt to prove it. And Terry took his belt off and held it up, right? So, that's what I liked about it. It's cocky, but as a baby face, it's not heelish. So then the que- so then based on what you're saying, you don't think they could even overtake an NWA as the number two behind WWF? Well, yeah, because uh, but but it happened so fast. Like like you and me were arguing last week about it. Like I I feel like I had a year or two of UWF under my belt before they got bought out by WCW or NWA at the time. Um, and, and NWA bought them because NWA was on the brink of going out of business. It was basically a talent acquisition because they got rid of everything UWF and just kept or the wrestlers. You, you, well, it was expansion. Well, they weren't going out of business. It was UWF was going out of business because they were because of the uh, the times, the oil uh, crisis, right. the recession. But, but if they you, couldn't if pay you the read bills. up on it, Jim Crockett, it was either do we just fold up shop and give in to WWF or do we try? They, they expanded. For that one last ditch. And if you recall, what happened after that one last ditch? They sold to Time Warner. So mm-hmm. they did end up selling. But Crockett was on the brink of just calling it a day. Yeah. Because I, it, it wasn't just Mid-South that was getting wrestlers taken. I mean, you're talking 87. You're you're a year away from the Tully and Arn going there. Uh, mm-hmm. Barry. Um, Flair's three years away. Um, and even though they all Whoa. came back. If you're saying 87, that's four years away. But again, that's... that's oh, yeah, yeah. He's 91. My bad. Yeah. I'm thinking he was 90. 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mark Callis left. Sid Vicious left. Uh, Danny Spivey left. Like, every fucking skyscraper left. <laughs> Teddy Long eventually, but I think he might have came over when uh, the, right. they bought WCW. But, but what I'm saying is, Jim Crockett, they were in financial problems, but yeah. the UWF was an ex- uh, a way to talent acquisition and you know you, you got you added bodies you added uh territory where you could run and not be you know beat up in the alley for running their town um the, the, but the one thing we already know this 
especially in the 80s. We did our what if reflectionaries and we, we both kind of agree that the UWF couldn't do it because realistically they, they couldn't would have had the, the only ones, to do it. Right. The only ones that were doing pay-per-view, the only ones that were doing closed circuit with the, with Crockett and Vince. Not, not, and we don't even know. We don't have to go with the numbers. We, we know Vince won this. AWA did some closed circuit. Only one. Oh, well, they did close. Only one. No, it was local. Only NWA and WWF were doing na- nationwide closed circuit. Okay. So there, there was a difference. So the talent wanted to go where they could be more visible. Again, more, NWA, more money. Yeah, make more money. But NWA offered you TBS on a six hundred five basis. And WWF was syndication on the weekend. And for UWF purposes, for the professor, Reflectionites, I had to go on the UHF channel 68 in the East Coast to watch UWF, which I was happy to. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean you're making money. So that I'm just right. trying to say that. That's the real that's realism. I saw right. it on ABC. Oh, good for you right there. Well, the the ABC uh syndicate market, yes, the Detroit market. Yeah. Okay, so with that being said, again, like I said, the UWF presentation had a little bit more pizzazz. That's just just the way I looked at it, especially here. So with this episode, TW, I just want to hone in on what Bill Watts, whether he wants to admit this or not, he had to copy uh, Vince McMahon on one thing. Vince McMahon got the good chemistry adding Jesse Ventura and himself in the commentary booth. Or Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Again, people say that's one of the greatest common combinations of commentators ever in wrestling. But Bill Watts, he did watch the competition. So what did he do? He injected Jim Ross with Michael Purely Sexy Hayes as a color commentator. So what say UTW before we even talk about what happened in the episode about Jim Ross and, and Michael P.S. Hayes? Because again, Michael P.S. Hayes... I've, I've seen him do the commentary on UWF. I think he did maybe one or two in world class, but that was like in 88 when he was trying to be a good guy. Didn't really mesh with the professor. He did something in WCW here and there, maybe on main event once or twice. And of course, let's not even talk about Doc Hendricks in WWF. That don't count. That's the Mandela effect. Let's just talk about Michael Hayes here in UWF trying to be, is he trying to be Jesse Ventura or is he trying to just find his own niche? What say you? I absolutely loved Michael Hayes. He's him and Jim Ross were probably the reasons I kept watching every week. In the beginning, I knew he was a wrestler, but I didn't realize it. Like when you're not looking at him and you just hear him compensating, mm-hmm. he was less heelish than than Ventura, but still got his shit in. And what I liked about him was he'd only really take shots at the people he had heat with wrestling. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't take shit shits on every baby face. He didn't put over every heel and he put down heels because at the time of this episode, they're feuding with hot stuff, Hyatt international while also feuding with Akbar in the one man gang and Terry Gordy getting the title t- stolen from him. No rematch, but also feuding with Chris Adams and Terry Taylor. Cause they wanted the tag belts. So they were like, three against the world, four against the world. And the funny thing is, is I completely forgot the angel of death was with the Freebirds. Mm-hmm. Well, again, world class. There was that that connection with world class because again, we we Chris Adams was here, Iceman King Parsons was here, Angel of Death was here, and they kind of went back and forth between Irwin. Say, this is and Bill, while Bill Irwin was here too. Akbar, was, <laughs> yeah, Akbar too. Devastation Incorporated. 
Oklahoma to Texas, if you will, and, and the Sportatorium. So neither here nor there. So, again, the, the commentary styles of Michael Hayes, yeah, you're right. He, he hated everybody equally except himself. He loved himself, and he loved Terry, and he loved Buddy Lee. And, and he course, wasn't over the top. He he talked calmly, just like Jim Ross. That's the thing I think I liked the most about it. He wasn't, uh, what's the word, flamboyant about it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, certain, maybe not in this episode per se, right. but Jim Ross was boisterous when he needed to be. When something right. very high profile happened, he raised that octaves, if you will, reflectionized. So, you know, Jim Ross had his, emo he had those emotional commentary moments in UWF. So if you get to see those reflectionized, like Tian Couponer, he'll probably show me, he'll tweet the professor, you know, oh, I got, I got you here, professor. I know what you're talking about with Jim Ross and his high octaves and commentary, but neither here nor there. Tian Couponer, you could send him all you want. That's what makes you one of the best reflectionites, one of the best of the Magnificent Seven, Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine. But there was one thing about Michael Hayes, especially this week. You, you, you actually caught on, you talked about it, but there is something else. This was a funny angle with Michael P.S. Hayes, Dark Journey, Sunshine, and Missy Hyatt. What I kind of found, it was actually funny because I forgot about this. Again, you know, I can't remember everything, even though I'm the professor, I know everything. But, T.W., they were, the, the ladies were all fighting over Michael P.S.'s Hayes cream. <laughs> I don't know what kind of cream we're talking about here, Reflection Nights. And for the ladies, it could be the love juice of Michael P.S. Hayes. I don't know. Yeah. It could be uh, some uh, aphrodisiac cream where he can attract the ladies. But Sunshine, who is associated with the Freebirds, is kind of funny because, you know, Sunshine and World Class was feuding with Jimmy Garvin and, of course, Precious. And she was the good girl there. Here, she's the bad girl. And then what's confusing here is Dark Journey's the good girl. But then when she goes to Crockett and goes to Carolina in a couple of months, she's aligned herself with T Tully Blanchard and the Four Horsemen. Then she becomes the bad girl. Then, of course, Missy Hyatt. And like you said, Hot Stuff, Hyatt International. That's a great name. Hyatt, Hot that. Stuff. Missy well, would correct you. Well, yeah, she would correct me. But I call it Hot Stuff, Hyatt International because that's a better name. But they were all fighting for this cream tw so what say you about the cat the the you know the cats the the cats of the uwf all fighting for michael purely sexy Hayes's cream we don't even know what kind of cream it is so i remember and i don't know if it was world class or if it was ended up being uwf i remember that cream being put on someone and making their hair fall out like it was a bald cream oh unless i'm mixing some other shit up but um Precious, man, she has. Well, you a know face. what? You're, you're probably right because what? What? Let, the beginning reflection. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the nope. beginning was Sunshine did not want to get this cream on her because Dark right. Journey had it in her hands, and it looked like you're right. She wanted to put it on Sunshine, so maybe you're right in in some instance that maybe the, her hair would fall out, she would be bald and all this stuff. So we don't know. So I, I'm actually giving credence to you because the way Sunshine was afraid of it, but still she wanted that jar. She wanted that jar of cream in her possession. So go ahead, T. Yeah. I'm sorry. To yeah, be because if she has it, she ain't going to worry about them putting it on her and vice versa. She can put it on whoever she wants. Mm -hmm. But but uh, Precious, God bless her. She got a face only a mom could love. <laughs> like, I don't... 
This, well, this, Precious wasn't in this episode. What, whoever that, whoever that sunshine. one, was, maybe, sunshine, sunshine, that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good Lord, man. Good Lord. Like you look at some of them, like Missy Hyatt was cute. You know, there, there's times when I thought she looked kind of, you know, down riverish, if you will, but okay. she was always cute and mm -hmm. good Lord. Sunshine was not, or whatever that girl, what's her name? Sunshine. Precious right. was cute. Sunshine <laughs> was like the knockoff of Precious, right? Well, you know, Sunshine was first. Precious was married to Jimmy Garvin, and then she was just injected. Right. So Jimmy Garvin had Sunshine, and he ditched her for Precious, or she ditched him for the, someone else, and then he got Precious in her place. Well, the logistics was Sunshine was first. Jimmy Jimmy Garvin cheated on Sunshine with Precious, even though they were already married. So they injected ah. that love triangle, and then Sunshine did her own thing. Gotcha. Yeah, Sunshine, God bless you, but yeah, she wasn't. I don't understand. She was married to someone else to get that job is what I'm thinking. Maybe she married Buddy Landell. She has a face that matches with it, too. So neither here nor there. <laughs> but I say, you know, that's just me. You know, that's the way, that's my observation. But the, the funny thing, TW, is I want to, uh, you know, we talked about this with the 2008 lockdown pay-per-view. So I have to say it here. These three ladies were valets. They were not athletes. Of right. course, you still learn how to take a fall. You still learn how to bump a little bit. But right. again, you can see the nerves. You can see the jitter, jitters, if you will. And of course, when Missy Hyatt hit uh, Dark Journey in the back with the loaded purse, yep. it just didn't look real to me. It just didn't. I didn't believe in it. But again, that was the UWS you know, most famous weapon was that loaded purse. Of course, but the way the, the execution and the knockdown didn't impress the professor. But like you said, I'm 40 ish. I'm 45 years old. I'm not a kid going, oh, shit. Can't fight. Can't fight. You know, I, I'd be saying that as a kid. But what say you, TW, of the lack of athleticism of these three ladies? But they still get the crowd going. They still get, you know. Jim Ross going. They still get even Michael P.S. Hayes going because he has to fight his way to get the creep. He's fighting the missing link in the bottom. And then who comes from the from the back? Hot stuff. Sting and Missy Hyatt. So, you know, it was it was a pandemonium. I love that word. Pandemonium, pandemonium <laughs> was going on in the beginning. Yeah, I so the funny thing is, I would say world class. I would say UWF, which slash Mid-South. Um or um, Memphis, they their presentation. They all had TV. Uh, they all still were requiring on loyalty for people to show up because if they got a contract offer from Vince, they were out of there or Crockett. Um, but it was it was good wrestling. But the women, the women were not where they were putting their money if you if you understand what i'm saying and mm -hmm. as far as like looks or talent right they it's like i said it was but that's how the indies were if you were on an indie show and it was a girl on the show was a valet not a wrestler those started coming around later like there weren't a lot of women wrestlers to begin with so a lot of times like even still around here you'll have a girl take on a guy because they don't have another girl to have the girl wrestle because there's not any in this area um or they're just unusable right so but these promotions, when I started wrestling in the Indies, felt like those promotions. Like, it was someone's wife. It was someone's girlfriend. It was someone's daughter or cousin. You know, they, they just used whatever they had. They didn't recruit or go find, you mm -hmm. know, hey, 
go let's go to a strip club see if we get some strippers want to come hang out every now and again one of the boys would do that like they get strippers to come be their ring girl or something for their match but it'd be some guy that was from out of town that we never saw again right so um but other than that i i'd like to say uwf they didn't invest much in there but to their credit they at least used familiar names right so obviously they did put some money into it but what i'm saying is it wasn't for looks or talent well you know to be with the exception of missy who was well, john tatum's wife at the, yeah, until Hastav, you know, nestled in himself in there and then became a love triangle. But again, makes, makes I, Macho I, I, Man's would, quote. I would say this, especially for the Southern wrestling territory. Again, they injected the women again, world class. You know, they, they injected sunshine and precious in UWF. You see dark. You see three ladies, Dark Journey, Missy Hyatt and Sunshine working all together, injecting some heat, injecting emotion, injecting investment to make me want to see, you know, the guys fight each other, maybe to defend the girls that they're representing, maybe whatever, but it is it, still something. And to be fair too, these three ladies had a reputation and by the time it's 87. I knew who Jark Journey was because right. of UWF. I knew who Sunshine was because of the years she spent in world class. And again, Missy Hyatt is Missy Hyatt. So, you know, there is creme de la creme, even in some, in in the the UWF. Even I get what you're saying with the the sentiment of you you're using whoever you got. Maybe nepotism here or there. Yeah, you're right. There's nepotism with Missy Hyde with, with John Tatum. He brought her in. There's nepotism probably with the with Sunshine with the Jimmy Garvey connection. I got you. I I totally agree with. And of course, Star Journey. Whoever she knew is the same thing. It's the same thing with Baby Doll. Baby Doll, that just about. But anyway, neither here does it. But Star Journey. I thought she was Kevin Sullivan somehow, but he's never been in UWF or world class. So I want to say Chris Adams somehow she's involved. Well, I don't know about Dark Journey, but uh, the Kevin Sullivan thing is a woman. So that that's the connection. Yeah, but Dark Journey was with him too, wasn't she? Or was it Tully mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of? That's Tully. Yeah. That's Tully in the NWA. So let's talk about certain things within this episode. This is a very heated episode. So, again, we're not going to go, you know, segment for segment. because She's 65 now, by the way. Who? Dark Journey. She can still get it from the professor. <laughs> I love them old ones. Woo-hoo! Fine wine, you know. Ah, Dick do. Slater. While working as a stripper in Atlanta in 1985. Didn't I tell you there's a connection of nepotism? See, there you go. So neither here nor there. But anyway, let's talk about certain things that we that caught your eye in this episode, TW. Because, again, uh, there are enhancement matches. So we don't have to go with everything here that we saw. So I guess one of the things we could talk about is we could say the untapped potential tag team champions that you didn't even know existed or you didn't know that they were. And that was the duo of Terry Taylor and the gentleman Chris Adams. You know, TW, I, Fresh I look out at of it. Prison. Just, say what? Fresh out of prison, Chris Adams. In 87? Or now? Six months. Well, okay, well, you know. Three months. Three months. I'm glad you said that and, and then not said he died. So, you know, again. Oh, he's dead for a long time. I, I know, but you you know, <laughs> you know how you, you start everything. But I just wanted to say this. Untapped potential, maybe an untapped potential, but I would say this. Gentleman Chris Adams, for world-class purposes, was the second tier below the Von Erics, and he knew his place, you could say. He will never, he can never overshoot them in terms of the of the ladies wooing them, but he got he got his woos from the, the teenage girls or the girls itself. But he can never be the man in world class. I felt the same thing here in UWF. 
he he's a name. Don't get me wrong. He has that reputation coming from Great Britain. So he's he got that international flavor for the UWF purposes. But when you put them to get put him and Terry Taylor together, of course, technically sound, you know, athletically gifted. Maybe the thing that you've put in my brain, they don't match. They don't have matching gear. So what say you about this makeshift tag team championship combo of gentlemen Chris Adams and Terry Taylor? I, I love them both, man. Uh, they, they like I I do remember them being a tag team, but like I have so many memories of them separate that I completely forgot about it. Right? Let alone mm-hmm. them being tag champs. Uh, but Terry Taylor was my very first favorite wrestler, not in the WWF. And I've already told the story a million times about how Ted DiBiase eventually became my favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he fought one man gang in the loser leaves town match and Hulk Hogan fought Andre at WrestleMania three, I, I made a deal with God that as long as DiBiase didn't lose to one man gang, it would be okay if Andre beat Hogan. Right. So, mm-hmm. and of course I got double duped cause they, the op- I mean, I didn't care that Hogan won, but not long after that, we got the million dollar man Ted DiBiase, and I was devastated, man. That's my, you know what I mean? Like he's the ultimate babyface. Him and Doctor Death were like, which is funny because neither one of those guys at that time, like I would say, they were like your blue collar babyfaces, right? Like mm-hmm. both of them had that look, like they'd be a plumber. Well, they, they were watch boys, but again, but we're talking about Terry Taylor and Chris Adams. We're not. No, 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 no. I know. I went on my tangent, but I'm saying yeah. Terry Taylor is more of the type of guy I was a fan of, like mm-hmm. the pretty boy that could wrestle, uh, the Ric Flair, but he was a good guy. Gentleman Chris Adams, he did the super kick before Shawn Michaels. Savannah Jack did the super kick. They had a beef over the super kick. Um, just so much stuff. And and Chris Adams was always that number two champion, right? And then Terry was, and Terry went heel. And I always loved Eddie Gilbert, even though he was a heel. And obviously, this is where Sting became and entered my wrestling life. And I love Sting there. He was the muscle back then, Rick Steiner. But Terry Taylor and Chris Adams, they they made sense as a team. I mean, they had they had that Rock and Roll Express, Rockers, um, baby faces, one dark hair, one blonde hair. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, those that they basically they did that. So for the girls that like blondes, here's Terry Taylor. For the girls that like brunettes, they, here's they Chris came. Adams. Did they come? They came before the Lightning Express. Yes. So you was, the Lightning were the Express light- was towards the end. Yeah. Right. So with that being said, you know, again, they're athletically gifted, technically sound. Yep. But again, like you give handsome. You well, you know, Terry Taylor ain't that handsome. And Chris has that little pudgy leg. He looks like his face is melting with his chin. Down. But he had an accent, so that, yeah. that, that makes up for it. Okay, but he needed here nor there. But He's no this, Gino Hernandez. No, he's not. He is definitely not. That's why Gino carried that team. But anyway, in this, in this episode, Reflection Nights, they were defending the tag team championships against Buddy Jack Roberts and the Angel of Death. Represented by Sunshine. Well, she was the valet for Buddy Jack Roberts. So, TW, let's look at this match. Again, like you said, everybody in UWF is intersecting with each other. So it's like the Freebirds were fighting with Devastation Incorporated. They were fighting with Hot Stuff International. And, of course, like you said, they wanted those UWF Tag Team Championships. What say you about this match? And, you know, again, Buddy Jack in a six-man uh, common, in a six-man combination match. With Terry Gordy, with Michael Hayes, he's the heater. He's the spark plug that makes a six-man match go. 
him trying to carry this match with with the angel of death. I don't know. Just me. I guess I'm looking at this again. Forty five ish. It just doesn't mesh with the professor. I guess. Yeah, I just like I would just love like Michael Hayes and Terry Gordon be the tag team. Not Buddy and Buddy Roberts being like the manager in the background. Right. And then add Angel Death for the sixth man. Yeah. Yeah. So what say you about this match? You and I are on the same page. It wasn't that good. It was it was just all over the place. And it was you know what it was? It's the epitome and on both sides. On both sides. It's the epitome of putting just throwing two single guys together, right? There's mm-hmm. something to be said. For two singles guys to get thrown together and then do tag team moves, right? I've seen it a million times. Um, I forget what match I was watching. Uh, it was either recently watching Raw or SmackDown, or it was watching an old Peacock thing where it was clearly two singles guys, but they started doing tag team moves together. Like they took the tag team part serious, right? So mm-hmm. you have this match where basically it's like these two are doing spots, these two are doing spots. And at the very end, it absolutely 100%, based on the commentary and everything, looked like it was going to be a dusty finish where it was just nobody won. It was no contest. And and then they won. It was like, what the fuck? Like, they had two guys beating up two guys for at least two minutes, right? Right. And then... It, it looked it was a Texas tornado match without it right, being a Texas tornado right, match. Right. But the whole time commentary is like, oh, these guys are on the brink of getting disqualified. They've been way past the five count. And mm-hmm. then T- Terry hit the, the flying burrito. Angel Death rolls out of the ring. And then Buddy's going to do the bulldog, but he gets reversed into a belly-to-back arch suplex. And that's how they won, which I appreciated the clean victory. I appreciated the win out of nowhere. Uh, though you'll never see a guy lose to that move again, right? So mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just, it's like, yeah, it was refreshing how it ended, but the, everything leading up to the ending was just a clusterfuck. There's, there, there's no other word to describe it. It wasn't tag team excellence, if you will. It would have been better again if Terry Gordy was outside, maybe just yeah, t- messing up the match or, or something if Terry, like that. Terry and Buddy were the team and Angel of Death's just out there being their pallbearer or ring bearer or whatever the hell they flag bearer. Well, again, like you said, and the realization of that time is Vince McMahon is snatching up the high value talent. So I don't I was never invested in Angel of Death. I don't know why he was involved. You know, he messed with Buddy Roberts again. He got the rub from them. And again, in world class, I didn't I did not care about it. So neither here nor there. So Angel of Death just it's one it's that Sesame Street song. Three of these things belong together, <laughs> but one of these things is not exactly the same. So Angel of Death is that problem with me. He one should, of these things just don't belong here. Yeah, so, you know. He looked like Empty Promises from the Great Space Coaster. Either, either or, but, you know, for <laughs> free bird purposes, it's Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, Jimmy Jam. That's it. Nobody right. else. No Angel of Death. No, no nada. That's just the way here. And... Before anything, TW, I just want to point out with this episode, we got our first nepotism and uh showing here. Did you catch it? Um, Eric Watts signing the letter of intent to University of Louisville or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, why the hell are you going? Why is Bill Watts trying to tell us like I care that Eric Watts? I know why. I know he's going to be a future wrestler. He's going to be Bingo. a future UWF champion. Like I need Bingo. to give a fuck. Bingo. Oh, God. Hey, man, Bingo. Techno Team 2000 ain't shit to mess with. I don't remember the partner, but you, I remember you Eric see, Watts. 
This is why I love Dusty Rhodes more than I love Eric Watts. Eric Watts is trying to force feed Eric. Bill Watts is force feeding Eric Watts on our living room. It's that's why Eric Watts was doomed to fail. But Dusty Rhodes did it the right way, did it the natural way. He did it the traditional way. He made Dustin and Cody earn their stripes. He did it the right way, TW. Eric Watts was force fed to us. Eric Watts was pushed to the moon. And that's why everybody hates every, every fan hates Eric Watts. I'm not saying that Eric Watts, you know, is not valuable in the wrestling community. Maybe TW, you probably like intersected with Eric Watts. No, you didn't. No, no. Oh, you, so you was blessed not being intersected with that nepotism of Eric Watts. But I saw Eric, Eric Watts. Eric Watts is basically um, Teddy DiBiase Jr. Man, they got in for a cup of coffee and a in a in a title run, and then got the heck out. Just mm -hmm. wasn't for them. And that's actually refreshing to me because same thing with uh, what's Flair's kid's name? Um, David. David. Like mm -hmm. they gave it their run. They, you know, like they didn't want to let their dads down. They did it. And they're like, you know what, man, this ain't for me. And and I respect that because there were times when I felt like that. I felt like I, I want to say Cody came off as like there was times I liked Cody, right? I didn't mm -hmm. like dashing Cody, but that's more of the gimmick. I didn't like not him. Um, but I love Stardust. I still don't understand. I thought Stardust was going to think that was going to make him like bigger. Right. And it, in, in essence, it did because he was so mad at it. He walked away and became a bigger star because of it, in spite of it. Right. So but but I like it that like I've always said this, not a fan of hers, not big fan of hers. But I respect the fact Charlotte Flair Ashley had absolutely no ambitions to be a wrestler at all. None, but they're not going to do it until Reed died mm -hmm. and her bond with Reed and her love for her dad. And, and not only did she do it, there's people who say she's one of the best, if not the best women going. I don't think so, but absolutely. I think she, That's, she's I think the queen she's, for a reason, right? But, she, but she's good enough to be in the conversation. And it's because she didn't just do it because she was Ric Flair's daughter. She did it and took the fact that she was Ric Flair's daughter serious and did it well. Same as Dustin, same as Cody, same as Randy. Uh, the Rock, at one point, I felt like he was doing it because he had nothing better to do like Goldberg. But clearly, both of them hit a gear and I, I, again, made themselves right. better. There is nepotism in wrestling. There's nepotism in, in corporate America. There's nepotism. I get that. But Everywhere. the way Eric Watts was presented was the purest form of nepotism that people would hate. I don't care about Eric Watts declaring for Louisville. I don't care about that. He's got to pay his dues. And it just didn't seem like Bill Watts, he had tunnel vision when it came to Eric Watts because, again, like you said, who do you trust? You'll trust your son. You'll trust your daughter within right. the business because they won't they won't bail on you like other people will bail on you within the wrestling business. I get you. I don't want to, I don't mind that. But the nepotism of trying to force feed it on my TV made me want to do this. Boop. What's on MTV? Boop. What's on USA Network or whatever the right. case may be? So, right. Well, what's on Channel 70? Where's my porn? Where's my Robin Bird porn? So we even neither here nor there. So another thing that caught the professor's eyes, TW, is the newest acquisition of Hot Stuff Hyatt International. And again, this is a big signing, you could say, because, again, they got somebody from world class. And that is the Iceman, King Parsons, TW. So, you know, he knew about the cream. He knows the contents of the cream. So that was one of the funny things about it. 
So again, Iceman King Parsons has a rep was a, had that reputation within world class. He was Coco Beware. He was like pile driver and all this stuff. But then there were there were certain points. There was ebbs and flows with Iceman King Parsons. He was let me put it this way, Reflectionites. He was a black version of the Big Show. <laughs> one one like six months heel, six months face, six right. months heel, six months face. You didn't know where he was if he was coming or going. Tw, I'm just being real here. Yeah, you're he right. He turned heel and face very quickly at the drop of a hat. Here he was bona fide heel because he was involved with hot stuff. Hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert, one of the top heels, right behind the Freebirds, right behind Devastation Incorporated. What say you about the the acquisition of Iceman King Parsons? That stuff. Hired International. Iceman Parsons, depending on what match you saw and what time you saw him, was either awesome or the drizzling shits. This very episode, true, true. drizzling shits. Like, well, he fought for like thirty seconds. So, I, no, 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 I no, no. Be... I'm talking about this episode. I was going to talk oh. to you about this. Mm-hmm. Um, he, this episode, kind of reminded me of when NXT was one hour. Mm-hmm. It's all. Hot Stuff, Hyatt International, or Freebirds. The whole episode. Eddie gets interviewed at least twice. Iceman gets interviewed at least twice. They wrestle. Uh, Freebirds get interviewed. Heck Bar and them get interviewed. Terry Taylor and them get interviewed. So in this one hour, it's all about like three things. And Because even DiBiase's part was with Iceman. And Iceman, to me, was better as a babyface than a heel, uh, which okay. is hard to do, right? Like... That's hard to do because being a babyface is hard, but he was likable. Him as mm-hmm. a good guy, his move was like the Killer Bees did it. The Bees thing was his, mm-hmm. his, his was called the Romper Stomper, and it was just it was endearing. Like when you saw him do it, you just you just liked him. He was infectious, but as a bad guy, he was just cheesy and 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 some of the it, it, you could tell he didn't have a clue what he was going to say. Sometimes when they turned the mic over to him. Um, like he even did the one thing where he said, uh, Chavo missing link. You guys are my friends in my face. And then you just stab me, stab me, stab me, but never says in the back. Like, how do you forget that part? You, you say they're my friend in my face. And then you say, you stab me. You're supposed to say you stab me in the back so that you get sympathy, right? Like they're not stab. He made it sound like they stabbed him to his face. And who was he calling the super skinny guy with two 50 pound sledgehammers in his pack pockets? Uh, was it a DiBiase or was it Steve DiBiase. Cox or Steve Cox? It might have been Steve Cox because DBI or he called uh what's his name? Jailbird. That's what he mm-hmm. called uh Chris Adams. But then mm-hmm. he called he called Savannah Jack Oreo. <laughs> and all I thought was, whose idea was that? Like, did Bill Watts go up and say, Hey man, what's something black people say to other black people to make them mad? Oh, we call them Oreos. All right, man, go out there with some Oreo cookies. Or did he come up to him and go, Hey man, I want you to go out there with Oreo cookies and call him an Oreo? Well, you know what? It, it's funny because, again, you're right. Because within this episode, they, it was dominated by, you're right, the Freebirds dominated, Hot Stuff International dominated, and of course, Iceman King Parsons dominated. So, you know, with that being said, at least I want to point out one thing. Dude, the, the guy that Savannah Jack defended his UWF television title Mike. with, I don't care his name. His look looked like he, he was he was from Back to the Future from 1974 disco time. His, or caveman. He had a bigger afro than the Jackson Five. Yeah, he was a he white was, Samoan. He looked like. 
<laughs> I don't know if he's a white Samoa, but he looked like one of the white Jackson five. That with that with, hair, with looks Kurt like, Angle's outfit or Charlie Haas's outfit. Dude, he, he just looked. Did, did he deserve a t- television title shot? He did not Dude, look like. He it. got a tag title shot and then a TV title shot. Where the hell, you know? But I think he was a job guy, and that's how Eddie Gilbert got stuck with him, and that's why Parsons came out and said he'd be his partner, which is the weakest heel turn ever. You turned on them with words instead of an actual turn. That I didn't like that part at all either, because Terry Taylor and and Chris Adams like. So What's your problem? you you and I are you and I are both in agreement that Iceman's Thunder was fucked up by this white guy with a with an afro and looking like a reject Mike Gardner, Kurt Angle. Mike Mike Bore. Mike. The funny thing is, is he looked familiar to me, and I'm like, I wonder if I wrestled with that guy, like if he's a Cleveland guy or something, and that's why he's down there mid south. The name is Mike Boyette. Mike Boyette. Yeah, he he Mike Boyette. Somehow, some way that name and his look, I he, I remember that name somehow. Mm. Mike, how you spell that? B O Y boy B O Y E T T E. Yeah, he I want to say I wrestled him or not wrestled him but wrestled shows that he was either on when I was down in Ohio, to California. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I think he teamed with Mickey Doyle. Oh, that's really? how I know who he is. Yeah, the hippie Mike. Hippie Mike. That's what he was. The California hippie Mike Boyette. Nineteen sixty. Well, with that, with that, with that afro, yeah, then he is a hippie. So you're right. Oh, he got nineteen eighty two. He got a championship wrestling for Florida match with Ric Flair. Oh God, I don't know. Maybe there, there's nepotism there. I don't know. Or maybe he was like doing some nasty things with Pat Patterson, so he got a he got a leg up. So neither here nor there's. I think he teamed with Mickey Doyle, and that's why I know that's why I know the name. Well, Reflectionites, he ain't worth it. <laughs> that's all I'm, gonna say. <laughs> I'm sorry, no disrespect to my boy. Probably still contributing to the wrestling business again. You know, sometimes uh, you know the fan part of me. Yep. Uh, right here, NWA United States Tag Team Championship. He won it eight times. With Cowboy mm-hmm. Kelly, Ken Lucas, Calvin Pullins twice, Mickey Doyle twice, oh, and God. the Wrestling Pro two times. Again, Reflectionites, I just want to say this. I respect Mickey, Mikey Boyette, what his contributions is into the business. He's very valuable. Don't get me wrong. But as a yeah. fan, he made me change the channel. That's all I wanted to say. That's, that's it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't force me to, to love somebody, T.W., I can respect him, but you can't make me for it. He didn't deserve a title shot against Savannah Jack. And that was one of the, the weakest sell jobs of a super kick. Even he yeah. didn't even take that super kick right. Yeah, yeah. I, I needed to hear a near. He needed to knee slap. Savannah Jack needed right. to slap his knee. Young to Bucks make it even done it. Yeah, um, young- I'm going to make a bold prediction right here. What's that? That very soon. Before March, I think you're going to pre-order it. You are going to buy WWE 2K23. Because if you pre-order, you get Bad Bunny. Oh, shit. I'm buying it. Guess what's on it? Bad Bunny. You just said it. No, no. That's for you. War Games has arrived. Oh, yeah. War Games is on WWE 2K3. But anyway. I did not know it. I'm getting it now. Cool. Well, let's close this out, TW. And again, the one thing about Bill Watts is he always tries to, you know, bring up some up and comers. 
We already know that his boys technically was million dollar. Well, I'm gonna say million dollar man, but Ted DiBiase <laughs> and Doctor Death Steve Williams. That that was America's team for UWF purposes. But they had a hanger on. They had a hanger on. Not Terry Taylor because Terry Taylor always Hacksaw was on. Jim Duggan. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But they had the young boy. You could say that the, like New Japan has a young boy. UWF had their own young boy. Hanging around with Bill Watts, hanging around with Teddy Biasi, hanging around with Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. His name was Steve Cox. He was not a porn star reflectionist. I don't know. Maybe he was. But with a name like Cox, you never can go wrong. You but, know, that's your favorite flavor. No, it's not. My favorite flavor is Punani. But anyway, at the close of this show, TW, he has a match. And it was not against the Great Muda, but his name was Super Ninja. This was not the Great Muda. So, T.W. The worst mask ever. What say you about, you know, again, Bill Watts sees Steve Cox as untapped potential. Bill Watts sees T Steve Cox as at least a mid-carter gaining to the, to the main event scene for the UWF purposes. Do you agree with his assessment? Do you agree with what, what he could have brought? to the table for UWF purposes, or could you not take him seriously because of, you know, he has a big shadow to f to fill up with Teddy Biasi, Steve Williams, Terry Taylor, Axel Jim Duggan, yada, yada, yada. I think he had everything that those guys had back then, right? Most mm -hmm. importantly, a football background, and he looked good, right? Problem is, nobody got to him with wardrobe. Like, he didn't <laughs> look like a star. He looked like, already in the ring, Steve Cox. Mm -hmm. or what they really would call him, already in the ring, Steve, the professor's favorite flavor, Cox. And then... I did not know, hear that in the in the introductions from the ring announcer, but go ahead. What's that? I did not hear that in the introductions from the from the ring announcer, so go ahead with that. Because <laughs> you were too busy uh, getting the Kleenex. Well, again, TW, we understand what Steve Cox is, is supposed to. He's going to be given the the push to the moon, if you will. So it's funny that you say he, you know, the, the wardrobe. I guess he needed an identifiable persona. A Are you a, a look? Yeah. What would have been the look for Steve Cox if you was booking Steve Cox in mid in mid South in UWF purposes for nineteen eighty seven? At the very least, at the mm -hmm. very least, I would dress him. The way Terry Taylor, Ted DiBiase, Dr. Death, and Jim Duggan dressed. Tights, knee pads, and boots. Give him his own color. Like DiBiase, like Terry Taylor, he had a look. He had red tights, red knee pads, and black boots. That was him. DiBiase, black boots, black, boots, black tights. Dr. Death, red tights, white boots with probably red or black knee pads. And the, Duggan the, the Sooner colors. Blue. Yeah, the Oklahoma Sooner colors. I got Right, you. And, and Duggan always wore all blue, right? So no, you wore all black in, in uh, UWF. Yeah, but I, well, in WWF, you wore blue with white boots, I think, but yeah. or white knee pads. But give him purple. Give him yellow. Give him green. Get Green would have been perfect because it would have been an inside joke. But by having him <coughs> come out there with what looks like the pants you buy at Kmart if you're going to ride bicycles with the number stuck on your chest, it just mm -hmm. made him look like he's rushed into it right like like just mm -hmm. put put no time and effort into a look or you know whatever and that's for me it, it took away from him because he just he looked like already in the ring and i know you run the risk of looking that way if you wear just tights knee pads and boots but gotcha. but the stars wore that so if you're going to come out there with dibiase and and duggan and 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 terry and 
I mean, even uh, Chris Adams wore all black, you know, or maybe with white boots instead. But mm-hmm. you, but there's a come defining. There, you're saying there's a defining look with them. So right, the, and you would have looked just like them. All mm-hmm. four of the horsemen dressed the same, right? They all wore tights, knee pads, boots. And I liked about T- Tully and Arn. Um, Tully would wear red on the back and white in the front, and Arn would be the opposite. Or one of them would be all red, and the other one would be half red and half white. And then I really loved the Midnight Express, how one wore pants and one wore tights. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they would look like a unit. And if you want him to get the rub truly, like you want people to take, hey, man, this guy's like DiBiase and and – and uh, Dr. Death, but he's younger, he's hungrier, he's faster, he's stronger. Oh, but he's wearing Kmart bicycle pants. It's it's just, it's a tacky, terrible, and it made him look like top heavy, like, because it mm-hmm. skinnied him up on the legs. And that's probably why he wore pants. He probably is another guy to skip leg day, but who cares? You right. know what I mean? You mm-hmm. guys that did that, like like Terry Taylor, if you look, he had long knee pads that covered a lot of his shin. So it made the knee pad and the boot have less space between them. So you didn't even see the legs. You know, but, there's always something you can do. But I mean, he didn't have a ring jacket or if he did, it was that bullshit Japanese steakhouse jacket type shit. I just he just he had no look. Therefore, no charisma whatsoever. Didn't have long hair. Looked like he had like uh, the baby sprouting of a mullet. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just well, that shows. Pulled him out of the crowd. That shows what Vince McMahon. The the positives of Vince McMahon. If you have a look, he'll try to give you a look. Yeah, Dusty like Rhodes. That. If you have a character, he tries to give you a character. So say what you will about the narcissist Lex Luger, but did Lex ever look better? No. That was no. that's his his preeminent. Like he looked good as a baby face when he was wearing the orange and the white or whatever. Looked like a clown with the USA shit. But that narcissist gear, he looked mm-hmm. like a star, absolute star, man. His robe wasn't your typical um, Ric Flair, you know, knockoff robe. It was like it was like the Beverly Brothers, but better. Um, uh, again, you and I are on the same page. Bill Watts did not hone in on the look. He's always honing in on the athleticism. And the, the backstory of most of these guys being maybe, you know, co- collegiate athletes, just like Dr. Steve Williams with the Oklahoma Sooners. Probably Steve Cox was from Oklahoma or Texas or Texas Longhorn, whatever the case may be. And, of course, Teddy Biasi was a legacy with his father and, you know, keeping the torch going. So with that being said, we close on this episodic episode a TW pick, the Universal Wrestling Federation from March of 1987. So, with that being said, next week, I think it's time to do a what if. Because it's University been of Tulsa. University of Well, I had a T. It was a T in my yeah. head. So, either way. So, next week, TW, we're going to do a what if. And you know what? It's going to be an easy what if because, you know, you know what it is? You know. What is gonna happen? What is already happening? TW, Hulkamania is or is gonna almost be forty years old, from nineteen eighty four wow. to twenty twenty four. It's gonna be forty years old. It's already thirty nine years old. So I wanted to do a what if, but it's funny TW because it's already in the marquee. It's already in the big Ray intro. So we don't even have to, you know, we already know what it's gonna be. What if Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania stayed in the AWA? So we're just going to do that what if, just like the intro said, that Big Ray, executive producer extraordinaire, in celebration of the 39th anniversary of Hulkamania, we're going to do a what if for Hulk Hogan and twist it with what if Hulkamania stayed 
in the AWA. Are you ready for that, TW? I am. I think it'll Good. be a short show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know, you know the rules. We got to get it 50 minutes, no matter what. 45 <laughs> to 50 minutes. So with that, right. TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. All righty. You can get the Hameen Media Group at Hameen Media Group at podbean.com or channelattitude.com. You can look for Hameen Media Group. Our show under the Twitches is at PW Reflection. Uh, I always tell Travis, if I mention him, I'm going to put out his name, at Nuts and Bolts PW, and that Bolts is B-O-E-L-T-Z, P-W. Oh, by, uh, by the way, uh, is Travis blessing us like I told him uh, like the last episode? That's You know what? That's what he meant. He told me he was, and I said, huh? And he never told me what he was talking about. So it was you saying it. So mm-hmm. he listens to us on his way to church now every Sunday morning. So, um, and he asked me. He did tell me. He's like, "Hey, what, what do you, what ear or uh, headphones do you use?" I go, "I don't use any." He's like, "Really?" And I said, "Why?" He goes, "You sound great. Like it's, it's very clear." He says, "I said, Professor uses the wired AirPods." He goes, "Yeah, he sounds like he's in a wind tunnel." <laughs> well, tra- Pastor Travis, bless the earpods. Bless the wire dear pod, please, for me. Yes. So, and of course, Big Ray. Can't do it without him. All of his handles for Twitter, Instagram, um, probably Facebook is probably at Big Ray Hernandez. Um, but Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, um, TikTok, right. all of them are at Big Ray Hernandez. Uh, and then mine are at Tommy Wonder 19 is both Instagram and one Twitter. The other Twitter and TikTok are at the Tommy Wonder. That's the with an extra E in case you can't spell the. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder and Snapchat number Wonder. Uh, and then Big Vito, him and Noel can be found at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com or patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. Nice. And you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, this will be on the PWSL Networks on the YouTubes. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, of course, the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. And next week, we're going to do a what if. What if Hulkamania stayed in the AWA? You know, probably will be an interesting kind of what if because the landscape of wrestling would be would forever be changed and probably i will be subscribed to the awa network to this day so again that's a little bit of a sneak preview of our what if here so with that being said i'm the professor that's mr wonderful dum dum do idiot's own dr freaking stein tommy wonder saying good night and we'll see you next time here at the pwsl networks at podbean.com for the pwr podcast Two thumbs down for the pro wrestling crate.